Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. And the question for this half hour is, how can I overcome temptation? How can I start winning in those areas where I always lose? And what we're going to do now, we're going to look and see how Jesus overcame the devil in the wilderness. And we'll see what tools he used to win over temptation. And they're the same ones that will work for us. So would you take out your Bible, turn to the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, Luke chapter 4, and let's learn how to overcome temptation. Let, let's pray first. Lord Jesus, we are weak and you are strong, and we would pray that you would teach us how to become strong over temptation for your glory and for our own good. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is now about 30 years old. He's just been baptized, and the devil comes for him. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where he was baptized, and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And Jesus ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. The first way to overcome temptation? Fast. Jesus fasted in the wilderness. Do you ever fast? What I do periodically is I'll go for 24 hours, I'll drink water during that time, but I won't eat any food. And God deals with us when we fast. I, once I had a question for God, and it was kind of like, okay God, I'm going to fast for 24 hours, and tell me what I do about this. And it was uncanny. The last five minutes of that time period, I was talking with a woman, and without her even knowing what she was saying, she gave me the answer to my question. Do you ever fast? Remember, Jesus did not say, if you fast. Jesus said, when you fast. I was talking with a man here, and he said to me once, I was fasting on a certain day because I knew if I didn't fast that day, I was going to fall into grievous sin. So I fasted. The first thing Jesus did to overcome the devil in the wilderness was he fasted. Do you ever fast? Look at verse 3, Luke chapter 4, verse 3. And the devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. The second step in overcoming temptation, stand firm in your new identity in Christ. Satan's trying to get Jesus to doubt who he is. If you're the Son of God, prove it. And Christian, hear this. If Satan can get you to, damp, uh, to doubt who you are in Christ, he'll win. I mean, here's a woman I was talking with, Christian woman, and, oh, pastor, I've sinned, and I don't know that God has forgiven me, and I don't know if I'm on his team anymore, etc., etc. And I said, listen, 
you've got to stand in your new identity. You've got to say, I am a forgiven, healed, born-again child of God. And you stand in your new identity, you win. If you start doubting who you are in Christ, the devil wins. I think the battle of the Christian life is to believe I am who God says I am, not who the devil says I am. Which is why you've got to be in Scripture regularly. Look at verse 4. And Jesus said to the devil, It is written, and now Jesus quotes the Old Testament, Man shall not live on bread alone. The next way to overcome temptation, quote the Bible. Jesus is quoting the Bible at the devil here. Have you memorized certain Bible verses relative to your weak spot that you can quote out loud when you need to? Verse 5. And the devil led Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, it shall all be yours. Now look at verse 6. Is verse 6 true? Does the devil own the whole world? <laughs> no. Who owns the world? God does. What's the devil doing in verse 6? He's lying. Jesus called the devil the father of lies. And there's the next step in overcoming temptation. See if you can spot the lie. Behind every temptation is a lie from the devil. So he might do this. He might whisper in your ear, why don't you cheat on your wife? It'll be pleasurable. And when you get tempted like that, you've got to stop and take a deep breath, count to ten, and do I see a lie going on? Okay, I cheat on my wife. I hurt my wife. I hurt myself. I hurt my God. I hurt my children. I might be getting a disease. I hurt the person I'm sinning with. Is it true this is going to be pleasurable? <laughs> Behind every temptation is a lie. Verse 8. Jesus answered him, it is written, he's quoting the Bible again, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here's the next way to overcome temptation. Worship. Worshiping the Lord will help you overcome temptation. Sometimes when you're really tempted, that's a great time to start singing a hymn. They say that Martin Luther used to sing a hymn at the devil when he got tempted. Um, I will tell you, I, I talked to a guy who does exorcisms. He casts demons out of people. He says we always open with a time of worship and praise because Satan hates that. Next time you're tempted, start singing a, a Christian song. Verse 9, And the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle, the very top of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, and now the devil quotes the Bible, that's kind of weird, but the devil can quote the Bible too for his purposes. If you uh, jump, if, for it is written, God will command his angels concerning you, to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Here's the next step in overcoming temptation. Don't tempt God. Instead, run and hide. The devil's saying, Jesus, jump, and let's see if the angels catch you before you hit the bottom. Well, that's called tempting God. Do you ever do that? 
Well, Pastor, whenever my girlfriend and I are alone in her parents' house and they're out of the house and we're sitting by ourselves in the, on the couch, we end up doing things we shouldn't. <laughs> well, what are you doing alone on the couch? Get out of there. You know, we're never told in the Bible to go into the lion's den of temptation and stand firm. What we are told is, get out of there. Paul writes to Timothy, young Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2.22, now Timothy, flee youthful lusts. He doesn't say stand strong, he says get out of there. Well, yeah, but pastor, I'm a Christian now and, and I'm stronger now and I can go to that bar where I used to get drunk. I wouldn't. <laughs> I know, I know of a man who works downtown. He walks two blocks out of his way to get to his office so he doesn't have to go toward, buy a porn store that has caused him problem. I think that's smart. Mark Twain said, it is easier to stay out than to get out. And someone else said, better shun the bait than struggle on the hook. And Proverbs 27 a wise man sees evil and hides himself. The foolish proceed and pay the penalty. Verse 13. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left Jesus until an opportune time. In other words, here's the next lesson. No Satan will be back. <laughs> Satan left Jesus for a while, but Satan came back. And, and know this, Christian. Satan will bother you till the day you die. When you're dead and in heaven, then you're safe, but until you take your last breath, Satan is after you. And verse 14, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Here's the next lesson. Know that temptations make us stronger. It doesn't say, and Jesus left the desert, pooped and worn out by the devil. It says he went out of there in the power of the Spirit. In other words, we don't like our temptations, but they're good for us. They make us stronger, which is why James says in chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials of temptations, because the testing of your faith produces endurance. It makes you stronger. Well, I want to close the sermon part now, just sharing a few more helps from other passages in the Bible on overcoming temptation. Here's another one. Pray. In the Lord's Prayer, we're supposed to pray, lead us not into temptation. It's a good prayer when you wake up in the morning to say, God, help me not even get tempted today. But if I do get tempted, give me strength. Pray. Another help, don't think it couldn't happen to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, let him who thinks he stands Take heed lest he fall. I think the strongest Christian on earth can do the worst sin. And why do I think that? Because of King David, the only person in the whole Bible of whom it is said he was a man after God's own heart, ended up committing adultery with Bathsheba and then killing her husband Uriah. David did that. So don't think it couldn't happen to you. I'm a Christian. Yes, it could happen to you, which is why you do what we just preached. You run and hide from sin. That's smart. Another thought in overcoming temptation. Keep busy in the things of God. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, Make the most of your time because the days are evil. There's a saying, For every one demon that tempts a busy man, 
a thousand demons tempt an idle man. And when the Apostle Paul wrote, Timothy, flee youthful lusts, he didn't stop there. He added, and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon God from a pure heart. In other words, Paul knew it's not enough just to run from the evil. You have to run to something and replace the evil with something good, or the evil comes back. For instance, um, here's a glass of air. Let's say I want to get the air out of this glass. Well, how do I do that? Well, I can put this straw in and cover it with my hand and try to sip the air out of the glass. It ain't going to work. But if I take a pitcher of water and fill the glass with water, it naturally expels the air and the air's gone. And Jonathan Edwards, back in the 1700s, the Puritan preacher, preached a sermon called The Expulsive Influence of a New Affection. In other words, the best way to, get, to expel and get rid of an old love is to get a new love. And the best way you and I can get over our sin is to fill our lives with things of the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in, Ephesians, in Galatians 5, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. In other words, get into a good church, read your Bibles, get some Christian service that you're into where you're helping the poor or evangelizing people. Get, just get filled with the things of the Lord walk in the Spirit, you won't have time to carry out the desires of the flesh. Another help in overcoming temptation. Bounce back. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you sin, confess your sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive you. You won't be perfect till you're in heaven. You will continue to sin periodically as a Christian. Don't beat yourself up. Immediately bounce back. Ask God to forgive you. Forgive yourself and then move on. Martin Luther said this, God delights in our temptations and yet hates them. He delights in them when they drive us to prayer. He hates them when they drive us to despair. So when you sin, you will feel depressed, but forgive yourself, ask God to forgive you, and then move on. <clears throat> Here's a poem. The voice that whispers hopeless. Right at that crucial moment, there is a voice that whispers, it's hopeless. There's absolutely no use trying. You might as well give up. All you can do is cooperate with the inevitable. Things could never be the same anyway. The bird with the broken wing never flies as high again. You've sinned away your day of opportunity. You've passed the point of all no return. All the horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. And the voice goes down a long, empty corridor, hopeless, no way out, beyond recall, impossible. That's what the devil says when you've sinned. But here's another poem. The voice that says, come home. But in that dark, lonely hour, there's another voice, and this voice is filled with promise. It says, there is a way back to God. The door is always open. The past can be forgiven and blotted out. The accumulated guilt of a million sins can be cleansed in a moment. There can be a new beginning. Things can be as good as they ever were, even better. God is able to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. No case is too hard for the Lord, not even yours. Why don't you come home? When you blow it and sin, claim 1 John 1, 9. Get God's forgiveness, forgive yourself, 
and bounce back. Next help. Cut off what you need to. Jesus said in Matthew 5, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. And what I think that means is this. Here's a counselor that told me there was a man he was working with who had a pornography addiction. And the counselor said to him, well, maybe you should get the Internet out of your house. Oh, no, but I mean, yes, I fall with the Internet, but there's so much good on the Internet, too. And, and that helps me so much. And the counselor told me, finally, one day, the counselor came in and said, I got rid of the Internet. <laughs> and, you know, um, I don't have cable TV in my house because cable TV causes me to stumble. So, I mean, regular TV causes me to stumble. Cable TV is horrible. So, you know, everybody's different, but cut off whatever you need to cut off. By the way, men, Google the words covenant eyes. It's a way to help you stay away from pornography on the computer. Covenant eyes. Next help. Maybe get married. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 7, if your temptations are in the sexual area, better to marry than to burn. Maybe God wants you to get married. And another help. Know that you are normal. Some people think, oh, there's all these holy people in my church, and then there's me. If they knew how sinful I am. No, everybody's like that. This comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul writes, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. I had a, a young man with same-sex attraction come into the office, and I was counseling with him. And he told me his struggle with homosexuality, and at the end of it he says to me, how did I get stuck with this one? <laughs> and I couldn't help but kind of chuckle inside. And you know what I said to him? You know, everybody's got something. And, and no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Yes, you, you are a Christian. This just happens to be your struggle. And the next help. Know that there is always an exit. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape. And what the devil whispers in our ear is, go ahead and do this sin. This is who you are. It's inevitable. And I'm tempting you so strong right now, you're going to have to give in to it. And to that we say, no, we don't. There's always an exit for a Christian. You know, for the, in a sense, the world has to sin because the devil owns the world. So if you're not a believer in Christ, in a sense, you have to sin. But if you believe in Christ, he set you free from sin. When we Christians sin, it's because we choose to. So when the devil is telling us, you've got to choose to fall, we've got to stand up and say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Yes, this is hard on me, but I stand in Christ, and there's always an exit. Last help. Get an accountability partner. James 5 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. In other words, I'm weak, I'm sinful. I can't be a Christian all by myself. I need my Christian brothers and sisters to help me fight the world, my flesh, and the devil. So I have a prayer partner, somebody I talk with once a week, and we, we pray for each other. He holds me accountable. Tom, how are you doing in this area, etc.? And maybe you won't get victory in that certain area until you humble yourself Get a prayer partner and start confessing your sins, not just to God, but to someone else, too, who will pray with you. That's a lot, but those are some of the things you can do 
And, and you won't be perfect until you're in heaven, but I'm convinced if we follow the example of Christ, we will put a real dent into the devil's business of our lives. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about fasting as a means of overcoming temptation. But if a person has never fasted, how did you go about doing it? Yeah, I think the, uh, this is, some people fast four or five days. Uh, some people fast even longer. You might have to talk to a doctor. Um, I think almost everybody, again, talk to a doctor, but almost everybody can at least do a one-day fast, which is what I normally do, sometimes longer, but normally a one-day fast, where, again, you drink water for, during the 24 hours, but you abstain from food. And that's a good way to start. And then you take the time that you would be spending with eating food or preparing uh -huh. food and yeah. use it for something. You should. I'm not right. saying I always do, but you should. That's a good idea, Jackie. Yeah. All right. Okay. There's times when you can't run and hide from temptation, though. Yeah. And I guess when that happens, what do you do? Well, you're right. I mean, I just preached when temptation comes, you run and hide from it. But what if you work with this gal in the office with a low-cut dress and she's sitting right in front of you for eight hours. You can't really run and hide unless you quit. And, and so I think there is an example of you really need a prayer partner. And, and you give him permission once a week to ask the question, well, how did you do this week not letting your eyes wander on Judy? You know, again, having somebody to, conf to hold you accountable and pray with you, that'll help. In in other words, though, you're saying you should probably confess this to somebody and ask them to pray for you yes. and to keep you accountable yes. that you aren't doing yeah. it. And maybe. again, I'm not saying you'll never sin in that area again, but it will put a dent into the, the sin life. Yeah. Okay, so you've talked about an accountability partner. Mm -hmm. How does a person find an accountability partner? Yeah. What do you... Uh, doing your accountability right. time. The first step, if anybody watching this doesn't go to church, you find a good Bible-believing church and you go every week. That's the first step. And then when you're, when you're there for a while, you'll get to meet some Christian people. And then you pray, Lord, who should be my accountability partner? And then you, you say to the person, can I call you once a week or can we meet for dinner once a week? And, and I've got some problems I need to hold, have somebody hold me accountable. And Jackie, this is not something you do for three weeks. I, I probably will be have an accountability partner until I die, you know, because we all need it. So that's one way to find an accountability partner. Do you think it's a good idea f to find someone that you can be their accountability partner uh -huh. and they're I, yours? I think that's the most ideal. Yeah. Okay, that is the best way. I think then. so. Okay. Yeah. Um, you say that you're supposed to bounce back after you've sinned, but will God forgive you? keep forgiving you if you keep bouncing back okay. and forth? Well, the que yeah, I get this question, will God keep forgiving me if I keep doing the same sin over and over? And my response always is, I sure hope so. Because <laughs> hasn't every Christian had that experience? Now, but Jackie, we got to be careful on this. Every time you're truly sorry and you come to Christ, he forgives you. But you can't live in it. And I mean, for instance, if you sin sexually outside of marriage and there's real repentance, there's real forgiveness. But if you're living with your boyfriend, you're living in it, 
there's no repentance going on there, and I think your soul's in danger. First Corinthians 6, fornicators don't go to heaven. So uh, there needs to be repentance as well. Okay. Um, can we go back to temptation again? Yeah. I, I guess, are there <laughs> real helps for a person to overcome temptation that you would recommend? Yeah, and there's one that I forgot to mention, so I'm glad you said that. I make pottery. Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Put the camera on me, Fred. Where are you, Fred? <laughs> I want to hold this up for the people. Uh, oh, here we go. Hi, Fred. Um, I make pottery as a hobby, and so I like making uh, communion sets. And, Jackie, one big way to overcome temptation and, 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 and get the devil out of our life. I love it when I take communion and I hear the words, the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And I think there is a power when you take communion, God assures your guilty heart that he does forgive you, and you get the body and blood of Christ, there's a power of God that you get from Holy Communion. And if you were to ask me, uh, Jackie, what was probably the holiest year of my life? It was probably, I'm thinking, the year I was a vicar at, at the Chapel of the Resurrection in Valparaiso, Indiana. We took communion twice a week. That was a holy year for me. And I think t regularly taking communion is a good way of strengthening yourself. Does the pottery work just help to strengthen you too? Well, you know, I suppose I suppose because it keeps me busy. Okay, <laughs> all right. There you go. Very nice piece of pottery, by the way. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Okay, is sin ever inevitable? Well, you know, the devil would tell us that it is, and sometimes you get tempted very strongly. And it's like, well, you might as well give in because you know you will anyway. That's a lie, and that's not true. So it's not inevitable. It's not inevitable because, and here's a good verse to memorize, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure, but will provide the, the way of escape. We need to memorize that verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, how does a person tell if guilt is from God or from the devil? Because mm, doesn't the devil sometimes make you feel guilty yeah. about things mm -hmm. that maybe you shouldn't be feeling right. guilty about? I, I think here's, here's one good easy test. If you do something wrong, Jackie, and you feel guilty, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. So you bring that to the Lord, God, please forgive me. I put it under the blood of Christ. I believe he died for my sins. I believe I'm forgiven. Amen. You, and you, for, you claim 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, God forgives. Whether you feel it or not, he forgives. All right, then, after you pray that, you still feel guilty about it. That's not the Holy Spirit anymore. That's the devil trying to get you under condemnation. So the way I put it is, if you, if you sin and you feel guilty, that's good. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to repent. Once you've repented, if you still feel guilty for what you did, that's not the Holy Spirit anymore. That's the devil trying to condemn you. And you should overcome that by... Yes, by it, says, it says in the book of Revelation, the way we overcome the devil is by the word of our testimony, telling people we're Christians, and by the blood of the Lamb. Satan, I'm, I am forgiven of my sins through the blood of the Lamb. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for being <laughs> with us this week. We pray that God would grant you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.